Otherwise, on SAFM. Dame Zansi and welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. Hazel Makazeni produces the show and uh, my technical producer... Um, Leander Mafi and I'm, I'm biting myself here. Mafi and I'm looking at him. Huh? Is our technical producer for today? Our contact details are 0892 10 20 10. Email otherwise at safm.co.za. Tweets and at otherwise safm or at shadow twala. Today we talk to Susan Styles or Suzanne. If I'm, I'm well find out how she pronounces it. Co-creator of the Mind Power Safari for Women, uh, and it's coming up in, at the end of this month. We'll tell you more about it. The marketing and environmental manager of Reso Africa, Sonia Anderson, introduces us to the environmentally friendly printer that duplicates and binds in 2.5 minutes. Can you believe it? And finally, Tato Mahano of Vanguard Magazine splits hairs on drive-through salons. But before we get there, uh, Meditations for Women Who Do Too Much by Anne Wilson Chef is what I've been picking up some lunch bites from. And today's one is dated June 30th, and it's called Recovery Step 1. Recovery is a process, not an event. Now that we're beginning to recognize that overworking, caretaking, rushing around, and always keeping busy are manifestations of the addictive process and are just as much a disease as chemical addictions, we want to stop this immediately. Unfortunately, it's not that easy. The very definition of an addiction or compulsive behavior is something that has us in its grip over which we are powerless. We can't just say no. We can't just stop what we're doing. This disease is in the cells of our muscles and in the marrow of our bones. We need to realize that recovery is a process. It took time for us to get this way, and it takes time for us to recover. Part of our disease is wanting everything to happen at once. We need patience with ourselves and support from others to progress in our recovery process. So, I have to do it myself. I don't have to do it alone, are statements often heard in recovery circles. SAFM invites you to be part of one of South Africa's finest gatherings of jazz musicians under one roof. The Standard Bank Jazz Festival from the 3rd of July, featuring the talents of Kyle Shepard, Hugh Masekela, Jimmy Lutu, Lira, and multi-Grammy Award winning Maria Schneider. The winter days and night in Grahamstown are going to be hotter than ever. SAFM is the official radio partner of the Standard Bank Jazz Festival. Book now at nationalartsfestival.co.za and join us there. It is said, behind every successful man there is a woman. In the past 20 years, women have taken their stand in society, parliament, and in business. We talk about Nkosa Zanalamini Zuma, Helen Suzman, Tu Lima Donzela, and Jill Marcus, to name a few. SAFM celebrates 20 years of inspiring women. SAFM, let's have the conversation. The Independent Communications Authority of South Africa, ICASA, invites people with disabilities and their representatives to public hearings to develop a code for people with disabilities 
in relation to telecommunications, broadcasting and postal services. Members of the public and community organisations are also encouraged to participate in a process that will ensure the rights of people with disabilities are taken into account in the provision of ICT services. The public hearings will be held in various provinces of the country on the 11th of July 2014. For more information about the dates, venues and time slots for the public hearings, please contact Mavungu Makatu on 011-566-3429, or email makatu, M-M-A-K-A-T-U, at ikasa.org.za. Otherwise, on SAFM. Now, Suzanne Stiles, professional speaker, trainer, facilitator, and business owner, created uh, Mind Power Safari together with Chris. Uh, and I take it Chris is your partner or husband, Suzanne. Hello and welcome to Otherwise. Hello, Shadow. Thank you so much. And yes, he is my husband and business partner. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, how did you get Isn't it a challenge to be running a business with your husband? Well, you know, a lot of times we work with couples in business, so it's surprising that you say that. And I believe if you are resonating with the goals that you are setting out for your business and you're not just there as an extra, either the husband supporting the wife's goals or the wife supporting the husband's goals, it's actually a very successful arrangement. Because I've heard of some couples who have had wonderful marriages and then they started working together. they still <laughs> partners, but the marriage is over. Well, you know, that's the thing. You have to make sure that your unique power source from both parties, the values that drive you, are aligned both in your marriage and in your business. Otherwise, you're absolutely looking for trouble and you could end up with no marriage and no business, which would be even worse. That is worse. Now, how does then Mind Power Safari come together? How did you, what was the aha moment when you both created it? Well, the aha moment for Mind Power Safari was Chris and I were studying overseas and our mentor, Bob Proctor, who we were studying with, said to us that the best way to change paradigms, thought processes, and to instill new actions for success was to do it in a resourceful learning environment. And I don't think there's a more resourceful learning environment on earth than the African bush. So we started out by desiring to bring a executive leadership training, and particularly for women. My passion is around assisting women in leadership positions to retain their feminine essence, their absolute attributes that make them strong and wonderful women, but to also be hugely successful leaders in executive positions. So Chris has a background in wildlife ecology um, before he got into the retail banking world, and I have a background in entrepreneurship after spending eight years in the corporate world. So we combined the two, mm. and our real desire is to make women be allowed in terms of themselves, allowing themselves to retain their womanhood, their femininity in the business world. How does that affect business? Uh, I, I suppose it must be positive, that, that femininity. Why is it so important to retain it? Because, you know, um, women find themselves 
almost wanting to replicate what men do in the boardroom or how men run the business and because that's that's the only way business has been run over decades. Now, why is it important to retain that femininity? First of all, I truly believe that, you know, the boardroom is being dictated by an attitude of, of competitiveness. Everybody is competing against each other within the company for the boardroom position mm-hmm. and the ear of the boss, so to say. Mm-hmm. And then they also transfer that competitiveness into the business world. Now, first of all, I believe the reason why it's always been that way is because men have been in charge for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, secondly, women are more in a position to be creative, to create new ways of behavior, new attitudes of success. They're less likely to be confrontational and more likely to look for a resolution So when you get to areas within the corporate world where there could be some conflict, I believe that women are there and in their femininity can be more rational. They can be more empathetic, but I don't think a lot of the time people focus on, oh, well, it's women in the boardroom for the empathy. It's not the empathy. It's their ability to reason. It's the ability to be rational in very emotive um, situations because men have been taught to shut out emotion, be cold, be hard, say it's not personal, it's business, and business is personal. So this brings in the, the women's abilities to really tune into their higher faculties. But, you know, how does how do women then deal with the boys' club kind of attitude and belonging? Because, you know, you isolated as a woman leader, especially the higher you go, the more isolated you become. Or it's lonely up there, I'm sure. Um, how does one then become part of the pack without necessarily becoming one of the boys? You know, you've hit the nail right on the head. In my own experience in the corporate world was originally in the out-of-home billboard world. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the first female director of one of the big out-of-home companies um, in the industry in the 90s. And absolutely, you are expected to become one of the boys. And I just decided I wasn't going to do that, that I was going to perform at the right level that I was going to leave from within because I had my, I was as capable, I was as successful, and it is a mindset. And you tune into your intuition, especially women have, women leaders have the most amazing perception and intuition, two of your biggest, I think the biggest two of your higher faculties. And they have the ability to be the peacemaker and therefore be at peace. But it is a decision. It's discipline in in not being dragged into being one of the boys. And ultimately, you do gain the respect of the men in your industry. You really do. But you just have to focus. You have to be really driven to be successful as a woman and not to become one of the boys. Now, Suzanne, do do we all have it in us, that's leadership? Are are we all capable of becoming leaders? 
or do what do you recognize within yourself to know that you can be a good leader? Should we all want to be leaders? I'm thinking too many chiefs and no Indians. Well, you do look to become a great leader. You do initially have to be an intelligent follower. You have to look at the great qualities in the leaders around you. Everybody has their faults. Everybody has qualities that you don't want to model your leadership qualities on. But once you have become an intelligent follower, it is absolutely essential that you learn how to lead because you have to lead your own life. You have to lead your family. You have to lead your marriage. Your marriage as a couple is leadership from both sides. You are both 100% responsible for the success of your relationship. You are 100% responsible for the success of your career or your business. So even if you are in a position where right now you're not seen as the number one, you are still the leader of your own destiny. Okay. So let's talk about the mind pacifier. It sounds so amazing. I, oh, I, could, awesome. I could talk to you all day. Um, when is this happening? I know it's happening at the end of July. So how do we become part of it? Who should apply? Who should participate? And how do we get onto the program? Right. What we've decided to do, we have a wonderful one from the 22nd to the 25th of July, mm-hmm. which will be featured in a leading women's magazine later on in the year. It's held at the five-star Thornybush Game Lodge in the Thornybush Game Reserve. And I can tell you that this is a must for aspirational women leaders, women in current leadership position, women that want to be successful in business and in the corporate workplace. And it, any, all the information is on the website, which is www.mindpowersafari.com. But what makes Mind Power Safari for Women so unique is that this is an initiative that we will be running at least six times a year, Mm -hmm. and it is for a maximum of 18 women. So you're not one of 100, 200. You're actually there to get an intensive experience around understanding your unique power source, your six higher faculties, which are memory, reason, will, perception, intuition, and imagination. And those are the highest faculties human beings have, and you're doing this in a, in a calm and relaxed environment. So you are just going to absorb the information like a sponge. It can't be cheap, though, Suzanne. It's, it's not. It's <laughs> not cheap, I'll be honest, because it is in a five-star environment, mm-hmm. but it is an investment in yourself that gives you that wonderful five-star experience, and we are running it on a special offer that even if you don't make the first one now, we will hold the price for anybody that wants to, and it is all-inclusive. That includes flights, ex-Johannesburg, into Thorny Bush, transfers, all your meals, all your beverages, all your seminar material. If you want, I mean, ladies love to buy souvenirs, mm-hmm. so you can you can bring along your purse for souvenirs, but other than that, you don't have to pay for another single thing, and it is 44995 But as I say, three nights, five-star accommodation, flights, 
transfers and your seminar with Chris and myself. With that amount of money, you must guarantee results. Absolutely. We can guarantee you that your life will change and that we will continue to keep in touch and coach with you via Skype or email or telephone or face-to-face if you're Johannesburg-based, if you feel that you haven't got the full benefit of your experience, then we will continue to work with you to make sure that you can actually put those changes into practice and increase your success levels. Well, you know, I, I believe you because I see DJ Spoo is not doing too badly after you. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wonderful guy. We love working with, with Spoo. We love his initiative. He has, you know, just being part of, of the Leadership 2020 best-selling book for Chris and I was just such an absolute honor and a privilege. And, um, you know, working with, with him has been absolutely incredible. Well, you've added lots of zeros and commas on his bank balance. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can do that for him, I'm sure you can do it for any woman who comes out. to. to... Absolutely. And as I say, you know, it is uh, any men listening to your show mustn't feel left out. We do, we do facilitate this for men too. But our real focus going forward is, is the women because if you decide to step into your unique power, you are going to be a spectacular leader for South Africa, for your family, your business or your career is just going to go through the roof. You know, listening to you, I've, I've, I've even got a feeling that anybody who really wants to change their life, they don't necessarily have to be in business or sitting in a boardroom. But as you said earlier, being a leader in your home is also very important. So those can come too. Any, I tell you, Shadow, it is just, it's something that changed Chris and my life in studying with, with wonderful people internationally you know, it, it's it's something that, that we want, the continental case study for Africa, and that we will soon be bringing women from around the world to spend money within South Africa, learning about leadership instead of South Africans always having to travel overseas to mm. learn it. So anybody, and in, in the future, next year, one of our projects will be to actually take a certain... Um, amount of the proceeds from every Mind Power Safari for women that we facilitate, and we want to be able to take a certain amount of young, aspirational ladies um, who have just done so well in their matric to set them forward for their lives going forward. And we'll be hosting the first one next year and having a, what would I say, um, a, a form of entry and um, criteria to choose 18 amazing young ladies to come on this experience with Chris and myself next year. Well, I look forward to that because that's where we should really begin at the, at the, at the base of it, you know, to, 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 to encourage future leaders. Suzanne, thank you so much for your time. I know you're very busy. Um, and, and, and thank you for sharing this, this uh, opportunity with us. We'll chat to you again soon when you have more news and when, when you have more leaders. I'd like to talk to some of the leaders that have experienced your program. But Lovely. Shadow, thank you so much. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. That uh, Mind Power Safari uh, created by Chris and Suzanne Stiles.
taking play the first one of them, or one of the ones they have in the year, 22nd to the 25th of July, that's at the end of this month, at Thorny Bush Game Lodge. You may get more information at mindpowersafari.com. So www.mindpowersafari.com. We're back after this, talking to Sonia Anderson, Marketing and Environmental Manager, talking to us about the latest in technology, the amazing environmentally friendly Riso printer and duplicator. Are you up to date with the world of property? For all things property, what are your rights as a property owner and or purchaser? Are you a tenant or the landlord and you need advice? What is the value of your investment in commercial property in South Africa? What matters are of importance in discussing land ownership? Trust us to simplify and help you understand the detail in all things property. Join me, Dineo Mulomo, every week on Tuesday morning on Morning Talk at 10.30. Otherwise, on SAFM. Sonia Anderson, hello and welcome to Otherwise. Hello, Shadon. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Have the nerves gone? No, they're still there (laughs) and I'll still talk ten to a dozen. I, I, had, I was hoping you'd come into the studio so we could do this, but I'm so glad you found time to talk to us. Now, everybody I tell about this uh, piece of equipment tells me, sorry, you probably don't have the right information, nothing can work like this, and, you know, no one believes me in short. So take us through, please. What are we talking about? Shadow, it is quite unbelievable. We've got um, two stages of our product offering, but uh, let's take it back to 2008 with the load shedding that we had. Mm -hmm. And that was the turning point in the Eureka moment um, for ESO Africa. We realized that our duplicator offering has got a very low energy draw. And um, our biggest client base was education. And uh, load shedding has a huge impact on the educators within South Africa and the African continent. Mm -hmm. And we embarked on providing UPS, which is uninterrupted power supply to all of our clients. Mm -hmm. So through that load shedding, they continued operating. Um, You can't just attach any normal uh, traditional copier to a UPS and solar power because of the high energy draws. We took it a step further. This is a South African concept for Africa and South Africa. Our entire duplicator offering can be put onto a power pedestal, which is called Resolar. This was done in South Africa by South Africans. Um, We created a fold away. You can wheel it out, wheel it back in at the end of the day for the schools, in a nutshell, using solar power. So they can print anywhere, anytime, with just using the sun. Without electricity, that is. Without electricity. Yeah. (laughs) They can do a 1,000 copies per day. 1,000 copies per day of what? We're talking 1,000 pieces of paper or what? 1,000 pieces of A4 paper per day they can print without electricity. Now... Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to hold on. I just looked at the time now. We'll continue our conversation, but I need to take news headlines. So, will you stay on the line for me, please, Sonia? Absolutely. All right. Here is Utsila Sako with news headlines on SAFM. 
same surname, I hope, and no relation of mine. Uh, welcome back to Otherwise. Uh, talking to Sonia Anderson, Marketing and Environmental Manager uh, from Rico Africa, Riso Africa. And we're talking about this, this amazing uh, uh, printer and duplicator. Now, Sonia, that was in 2008. You, there was load shedding and you, you created this, this concept uh, for this power pedestal. Correct. And this power pedestal is operated is a solar powered uh, pedestal, and uh, can be used with any printer whatsoever. No, um, it's used with our duplicator range. It's done predominantly for our product offering, which is the Resolar, um, Resograph, and uh, we also have the ComColor, which I'll get to, which is also quite exciting. But I think if I can just frame this. The 2008 gave us opportunity. On investigating, we realized 70% of Africa has no access to um, the grid, the electrical grid. In South Africa, there's still 3,500 schools that have no electricity. Mm. So they're teaching students with no electricity. So we saw a huge need. So we had to develop this. um, And it took us of testing a year to two years in the field. So we developed um, a product that we know works. We can put it anywhere, and it will print. Coupled to this, um, we've got better mobile phone coverage than we have electricity throughout Africa. With our equipment, you connect it to a notebook, 3G-enabled notebook. Mm -hmm. You can power it off our power pedestal, and you are taking... Um, basically from no electricity to the first generation of Internet um, to the classroom. So you can push information. The education departments don't need to ship information. They don't need to um, deliver it. It can be emailed. They can print it on site using the electricity from the solar panels. And they're two small solar panels, 40 watts each. And it also has backup supply for five working days because we do understand um, in Africa you have um, days where there is no sunshine. Yes. Even, even though we have eight and a half hours of, of sunshine in Africa, we're the perfect continent for solar power. I was going to ask what, you know, what happens when there is no sun, but you say there is backup for at least five, five. five days. Correct, five days. Um, what we've also found out as well, Shadow, which is interesting, it's not just to say the 3,500 schools um, that have no electricity. We have thus found out that the schools cannot afford electricity. Mm. So they're paying their electricity bills late, and they could utilize the system and continue printing the exams for the children without any um, break or problem or interruptions caused to the exam schedule. How, you know, when you say no electricity at the schools, and I'm thinking, how, the, yes, let's, maybe the kids use this, this, this solar powered pedestal and, and, and everything is hunky dory. What happens when they go home? Can this be used in, 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 in domestic situations? It's not designed for a domestic situation, I'll be honest with you, Shadow. This is designed predominantly for a school environment, mm-hmm. but they can use it um, and offer services to the community, for example, um, if they've got clinics. 
the clinic can mm. um, work together with the school and say, um, I need forms printed. So the school can generate a further income. Yes. It can become a community-based um, printing source where the school is the leader in the area for it. So uh, what, what has, have you, have you um, approached the Department of Education in this regard or are you approaching schools directly, individually? We're doing both. We're doing both. We, uh, on the African continent, of course, we, we're doing tenders approaching the, the Ministry of Education. In South Africa, they have seen the re-solar offering and um, fully aware of it, but of course we have a tender process to follow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then we are approaching schools individually and offering this to them. But in saying that, the schools that need it the most are the schools that don't have the money. Yes, yes. So any companies out there who have a corporate social responsibility with schools, this is a fantastic initiative to, to help the schools out and say, we'll get you this printer, we'll help you. And, and Reese Africa will look at that as well. And we'll look at, um, you know, obviously what, what we can do together with a corporate company in helping them out because schools come first to us. Mm -hmm. Education is the future. Now, I, I, I'm, I told some of my colleagues that, you know, this, you've got this equipment that can print and, and perfectly bind in two and a half minutes. Yes, we've got the ComColor Plus. We're very proud of that. We're showcasing it, showcasing it at Africa Print, and we've just come off the back of books. They're very successful. We were inundated. I have never seen a stand so busy. Well, that's where and I met you, right? Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good conversation. <laughs> Shadow, just a, um, briefly, what it does, from creation to end product, you can print a book. So from PDF or Word format to printing to actually binding a completed book, um, you can do 300 double-side A4 full-color pages with cover in less than six minutes. My goodness. I mean, it was so unbelievable. If I hadn't seen it myself, I wouldn't have believed it. And, 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 and what can be done with that also, as far as the schools are concerned, those children that cannot afford to buy textbooks. And I'm not too sure what legal, illegal implications of, you know, from printers and all of that is, but I think it would, with, with all the ticks, boxes ticked, it would help those children. Absolutely. Um, this is this is something that I've been driving. I am showcasing it to um, publishers because they own the IP. Mm -hmm. The copyright license belongs to them. Yes. And we don't want to do anything that goes against uh, the, the legal framework. For we sure. want to work with them. For sure. But kids need textbooks. Let's have a look at the Limpopo situation. If they had a com color they would have been able to print their textbooks on site, not finding the books at the side of the road. Okay, so now, Sonia, what happens? If somebody is listening, they have CSI, and they're willing to listen to you and see how it works, and, of course, for the benefit of, of those schools that we talk about, what do they do? They can contact. Um, we've got two offices. Mm -hmm. uh, Cape Town is 021-856. Zero five eight one and Lizelle is standing by, ready yes. to pick up the calls as they come in now. Okay. And then in Johannesburg, our head office in Midrand is zero one one three one four zero five six two, and they can speak to Gino Murray. Mm -hmm. 
Gina Murray. Now, would would could, could uh, principals of schools also approach you? Absolutely, I'd love to to talk to the principals. We do have schools um, that utilise our equipment. In actual fact, Norcom Park Primary in Kenton Park mm-hmm. is a school that uses both our product offerings mm-hmm. in the duplicator and the ComColor Plus, and they're completely off the grid. They they run their print room using solar. Fantastic, fantastic. Congratulations, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. We'll give out those numbers, and people can also go to your website to find out more, hey? Correct. The website is www.reso.co.za. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Sonia. Thank and you, good luck. Shadow. You take care now. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. It's Reso Africa, and uh, the Cape Town number again, 021-856-0581. And Lizelle is on standby. Johannesburg, 011-314-0562. Gino Murray is the person. And, hey, if you want to learn more, it's www.riso.co.za. Now we go to drive-through salons. Bye. Love you. Was that your wife? Are you being someone back home? It's Mina, getting too comfortable as a small house. What if your wife catches you? Never. I've been in the game long enough to know the rules, man. Besides, women can't resist me. Listen, small house plus big house equals big problems. Why don't you tell your wife your needs and get satisfaction from one relationship? Imagine a world where friends encourage friends to have one love, to talk, protect and respect their partners. That world is possible. Imagine the possibility of an HIV-free generation. It begins with you. Otherwise, on SAFM. Now, I love my Sundays. You know, I I do what I do in the morning, sometimes walk, sometimes do whatever I need to do. Then I go and pick up my newspapers. And I look through um, on on Twitter and I read articles and I compare. You know, I I want, before I buy my newspapers, in fact, I I try and get the feel of what they may carry so that I decide what papers to to buy and I go on Twitter and I look at people's comments and I know what's interesting and what's not but generally I buy the Sunday Times and the City Press because I think that generally they, they represent what you will find in bits and pieces on all newspapers and yesterday when I was reading uh, the City Press I then uh, bumped into this article by Tato Mahano and Tato Mahano is uh, a writer on Vanguard magazine. It's a, it's an online magazine, but I love the the topic because they're talking about drive-through salons, uh, and the title was "Call Me Clever." Let's talk about Kanyimbao's drive-through salon. Tato, hello, and 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 thank you for joining me, Pot Hato. <laughs> Hi, good afternoon, Angela. How are you? I love that at Pot Hato, hey? Um, yes, it is. Uh, it is a nickname that my friends gave me a couple of years back, and I've stuck with it, and it just serves me really greatly on Twitter. No, it, it it really does stand out. Now, what what was your what was your and I said you're splitting hairs about salons, drive through salons, <laughs> but what 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 kind of uh, got you to respond to what was an, a conversation on a different radio station where where Kanyimba was commenting on on street salons? Well, I just think that we we we're having way too many conversations about what is referred to as second-tier economy businesses. And I just, for me, it's just like it's 2014 South Africa, 20 years into a democracy where the playing field should be leveled. Why are we still asking the questions as to why some businesses exist? 
Why are we not asking what is the contribution of this business? What value is inherent in these businesses? And how can established businesses that operate in the first-year economy really learn lessons and just like harness some of the things that work in these businesses so that, uh, you know, they can be successful? I mean, uh, yeah, so it just, the, the conversation was around how, you know, first uh, established businesses felt like these uh, salons were taking businesses from them. And just, I, I was really affronted by that. And just like, so what do you want to happen? You know? Yeah, because, uh, because the, yeah. The, 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 the connotation there is why don't you clean up the streets and shut down the street salons? Exactly, exactly. Without understanding, well, why aren't we asking the questions? Well, if, if we have to ask the question why, we, we need to understand that structurally, businesses exist because they provide a service. They provide a service that one would not necessarily access as a result of economic um, and class issues Mm -hmm. in this country. Mm -hmm. And also then a level deeper is to what makes them so unique, what makes them thrive in such a harsh economic climate, you know. Uh, Let's stop asking the superficial questions as to, oh, why? Why why aren't you turning up the streets? Why are you not making these businesses irrelevant? Because there's regulations and rules as to how business should function. But understand why, even within these regulations, and these uh, legislative environments, these businesses are out there and they're successful, you know. Those are the questions that we need to be asking. My interest with, for, you know, with what you're talking about is that, you know, you gave a voice to the, mm. the, the, the business owners, the street business owners, because mm. usually, and because they're fairly new, they, they, they're not protected in any way by any law, and, and they, they're not unionized, if you like, and, and, and they, they don't have platforms. So yeah. I was very interested in the fact that you gave them a voice uh, but what what sh- what do you think ought to happen now, apart from asking those pertinent questions of why these businesses exist? In the meantime, I think they're threatened, uh, and they're not the only businesses. I mean, we could talk about street hawkers, we could talk about, but it's really businesses that operate in the streets. In this yeah, instance, we're yeah. talking about here. But w- you seem to have given it a bit of thought. What 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 do you think ought to happen? So for me, I think the the, the starting point is really going out into the streets and understanding what makes these businesses work. Mm-hmm. And how do we adjust legislation to ensure that we meet their needs appropriately, as opposed to prescribing that, oh, all businesses should meet these minimum criteria of requirements, but we understanding, so we op- the, 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 the operating field is very different. The, 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 the playing field is very different for the businesses that are out there in the streets. Mm-hmm. So what what are the minimum criteria that we can put in place to ensure that from a structural and legislative perspective, they tick all the boxes, but in terms of what makes them inherently unique to the businesses that are established in the malls that would, don't, would then eventually not lead to them losing their customers, we still retain a lot of that because the reason why these businesses work in the streets is because they are inexpensive, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And then, secondly, they provide a level of convenience that a, a legislated business in a salon, in, in a mall, would not be able to give someone who knocks off after six in the evening and then has to worry about a taxi to go to whatever. So they can just quickly pop in by the side of the road and get what they need to get done and then head off back home in the outskirts of the city, you know. 
So, Kata, you talk, the, you, you talk about we. Who's we? What should we do? Are you talking about who's responsible? <laughs> who takes that responsibility? Are you talking about the city, you know, the, 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 the people that, that make the laws uh, in the city? And who then, who takes that responsibility? Whose responsibility is it? Whose responsibility? I believe that the responsibility is for the people who make the laws. I, I think the responsibility is inherently all of us. But uh, you can only do so, I can only do so much as a title, as, as an individual. Mm. I can give a voice to these women mm. because they wouldn't necessarily be able to do so themselves in the platforms that I have access to. Mm-hmm. So it's just about creating the spotlight and saying, this is what's happening. Why are we not looking at this issue in this way as opposed to pathologizing it? But in terms of asking, so how do we legitimize it? You know, so that's the question. And then moving from then on is so... How do the lobby groups lobby within a, a, a perspective of understanding what makes them work? Because I think there, there, there are many different layers to how this then could be tackled. So it is creating the awareness of the reality of these businesses. And then the legislators need to be aware of the realities. And then how do they then make laws that speak to the uniqueness of the business, but also legitimize them? And then, then it's the process of unfolding in terms of how then do we ensure that the streets are clean, but also ensure that the businesses are still there? Because it cannot be taken for granted that a lot of families rely on the income that these people, well, the, the business owners on the street make as a result of the many hours that they spend standing on the street. Do you know, if I was a salon owner in a mall, I would actually extend my services to the street as well <laughs> or engage these women and, 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 exactly. and, and employ them and keep them in the street. Exactly. But employ, yes, and employ them mm. and, so that we work together, you know, uh, mm. because obviously mm. there is, there is a, they fulfill a need, as they say, and, you know, from, from the A-list woman to the woman in the street, people use them. Yes. I think what was uncanny about the conversation on the other radio platform was that Kanyimbao unashamedly said, I go to these places, you know? <laughs> so the, the legitimacy from a consumer perspective is there because they understand the need that it serves. And I, as I said in the article, it's, just like it, it, it's incredulous that some of us find it amazing that these businesses are taking our, our clients away from them because there is a sense of disdain almost in terms of like, so how is it that, that you could be successful operating on the street, whereas I've got four walls and I've got the deco and I've got a perceived clientele and I'm in the right location. What mm-hmm. makes you so different and what makes you be able to thrive when I'm struggling? And the question I'm asking is, have you taken the time to go out onto the street and understand why would a Kanyimbao then at 6 o'clock in the evening go to Bromfontein and go to a salon that she even herself admitted that, you know, the level of service is not what she would want it to be, but she goes and uses the service because it fulfills a definite need at that time of the day in her life. Listen, when her hair's done, no one can tell where it was done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no one can tell where it was done. Tato, thank you so much for opening up this conversation, and I hope a lot more of us will continue to talk about it. And I'm loving mm. the fact that we're not talking about hair, we're not talking about uh, weave or not weave, but we're talking about mm. the service of hair, wherever mm. it is, and it, it, it belongs wherever people can get to it. So thank yes. you so much for your time. And, and Vanguard is, is um, what, updated weekly? 
Yes, Vanguard is updated every Tuesday. You can find us on vanguardmagazine.co.za. Every Tuesday we have new content for you, so tomorrow is another exciting day for us. I look forward to it. I followed you on Twitter, so you better follow back and yes, do the right thing. Yes, that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much, Anshira. You take care. That was Tato Magano. He's at Pothato uh, on Twitter, but they're an online magazine, vanguardmagazine.co.za. And the article, which was in the City Press as well, first run on Vanguard, says, Call me clever. Let's talk about Kanyimbao's drive through salons. Go and visit it. It is now time for our children's program. It is time for Nalibal.